as soon as I feel like giving up, they do something that's like, you got this. I'm Mark. I'm Nick. I'm Sadie. And this is Letters to Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to a new episode of Letters to Podcast. I'm sorry that we've been away for a while, but we're back. And I decided we should come back with, you know, with another special episode. The you know, last season we did a motherhood episode and I thought we should do it again. But why not do it with a mother who who's pulling double duty because she's a mother of twins. Everyone, please welcome my, our guest for this episode, Miss Nina M- Minor Hawthorne. Did yeah, right? okay, definitely works. Yeah, I'm so excited <laughs> to be here. It's amazing. Hi, Nina. How was you? How you been? I have been great. I miss you guys so much, but um, I've been really, really great. Actually, um, it's a whole new life that we're living, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, I should say that Nina knows myself and the other two co-hosts because we all work together at the same, you know. That uh, shared work, working environment. We're all nameless. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, N- Nina still worked there, so we have to be we have to be respectful. But you know, that's Can't how. That. <laughs> yeah. So she she's one of those. She's she's one of that's how we met her. You know, that place. You know, it connected us with a lot of great people. The place Amazing itself. Amazing people. Yes. The place itself. You know, could use some improvement, <laughs> but. When I started at that place, you were pregnant with twins. I definitely was. <laughs> <laughs> How was that been? How was it? What was it like when the doctor told you that you were having twins? What, what was that like? My story is very comical. Um, oh. I, I think it starts off with like, I would say um, my husband and I, um, we typically were looking forward to starting a family but we always thought that it would be in the societal way right like society always tells you get married first and then have kids and xyz so we always thought if we get married first who cared about having problems before marriage we were more like okay when we get married we'll just instantly get pregnant when it's time and that's not a story for me um we definitely had a journey um getting to that point and absolutely thought that we would never ever have kids and so um i it actually started off as a toothache that would not go away for me. It was actually like I took over 50 ibuprofen in a week's time um, just because I couldn't get any sleep. And so um, my husband was like, hey, you got to do something about this. And um, he was like, but I think you're pregnant. And I was like, there's no way. Um, How did he get get pregnancy from a toothache? He was just like, yeah, I think you're pregnant. And I was like, nah, hell nah. I got a Vegas trip coming up. Like, There's no possible way. And so I went to the dentist and the dentist was like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm, I'm going to try my best to alleviate your pain. So he gave me all these amazing painkillers and I get home and my husband's like, yeah, you're not taking those. Um, 
until you take a pregnancy test. And I was like, fine, if that's what you want me to do, I'm taking these damn pills. I'm <laughs> in pain. And so he go he goes to get a pregnancy test and it it was a double pack. And so I took it and it was like, I was like, I don't know how to read this shit. He was like, it says positive. It definitely says positive. And I'm like, no, I, I need you to go get the computerized one that says pregnant or not pregnant. The computerized one. So he goes back to the store and we literally took two more tests in order to determine that this was right. And so I, as exactly a month before my 31st birthday, I found out I was pregnant. Before your Vegas trip, it's always when it's least expected. I still didn't believe it. I still literally had to go to the doctor. <laughs> and my husband's like, can you just tell her she's pregnant? That's the only thing I want you to tell her. Like, can you tell her she's pregnant? And they're like, yeah, she's definitely pregnant. And we had an ultrasound like a week after. And the lady was like, I have good news and bad news. And I was just like, God, she's going to tell me that I lost this kid. And I'm not going to say that I'm going to be mad because I'm going to go to Vegas and I'm going to drink. Oh and gosh. she was like, "Are you want the good news or the bad news first? And I was like, give me the bad news. And she's like, well, there's no bad news. You're 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 having twins and my husband literally cursed the entire he's like what you're fucking lying i need another job no like <laughs> so that's, that's pretty a, much it for me like that's amazing you guys were thinking that you couldn't have kids at all and then pop you have two yeah that's amazing and i remember you talking about them at the office their little adventures. Yeah, I would say that um, motherhood is one of those things that carries all emotions. Sometimes all emotions in 24-hour period. I think that's the best explanation for it. it. It definitely provides happiness. It provides anger. It provides, like, tears, anxiety, love. It's Every emotion you could possibly think of, you're going to experience it in a motherhood journey. And mine just happens to be times two. <laughs> did, it, did any other women in your life give you any good advice? Um, I can't say. Um, I think the difference between me and other women is most of the time you get singleton mothers and everybody has advice for singleton mothers, because that's the majority of the population. With me, um, my mother passed away when I was 15 or 16. Um, and I kind of didn't have any motherly figures around me to give me those advice conversations. My grandmother, she lives in California. And so she actually turned 90 when I had my kids. And so it was like a lot of times, I didn't talk to her about those things, but I will say the internet was my worst habit um, because most of my friends who have kids, they experienced it with one child. And so um, when you're talking to people about things that you're feeling or things that's going on, they respond to you um, 
in the matter of just dealing with one kid. Um, and so I stopped once I figured out like their advice didn't fit my needs a lot. I just started searching for people that related to me. And um, for this journey, I will say that I've depended a lot on my instincts versus um, advice. And so that I just try what works. I just try things and see if they work. And if they don't work, I break down about it. And then I find something else to do. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) But... What would you say has been the best part about the whole your whole journey of motherhood? It's ever evolving. Um, that's been the best part for me. Um, I think that as soon as I feel like giving up, they do something that's like, you got this. Like, my kids, in, they inspire me. Um, I feel like I have two. So I feel like one is my heart and one is definitely the person that I wish I could be. Like, I definitely mm-hmm. wish I could be this person that was stern and bold and like speak my mind. But then I have one that's so emotional and they're like two different people. And so um, I feel like what keeps me going is those times where I'm just like I want to give up I need a vacation I want to run away I don't at this point I just can't take it anymore it's like one of them will give me a hug and make me feel like they understand what I'm going through mm-hmm. meanwhile the other one it, it it's crazy how they feel you it's like something totally out of a movie um So I will say there are times where I'm just like over it and they will give me like that little push to be like, we got this. So we're good. (laughs) No, we throughout like the the parenthood series, and we've also talked to a couple of dads. They all told us about doing the, the pregnancy process, the dad or the mom, they all had these kind of ideas about what they thought their kid was going to be like did you have any of those definitely have they been true or have your kids completely done a complete oh yeah they (laughs) never they were nothing like I suspected I think I still wake up and I think I'm dreaming because sometimes I don't believe that this actually happened for me um because we always thought it wasn't a reality for us so I will say there are times I I can say one of the things that I would love to rewind time and go back to is to enjoy my pregnancy. Um, I didn't enjoy it at all. I have I met throughout the entire time. I think I may have like five pictures, um, and it was because um, it's a journey that you were told that you would never be able to do. So every single month, I thought there I'm going to go into this doctor's office and they're going to tell me that I lost this kid or um, there is a thing with twins where they can literally absorb each other in the womb. So you're yeah. losing one of them I know about that. that can happen all the way into your like six or seven months. And oh, so- wait, I thought I didn't know. I, 
up until six or seven months, they could still absorb yeah, one another. Reading crazy I, things like people were saying this was happening in their six months. And I'm like, what? I thought like that was only like at the little zygote stage, but like at six and seven months, they could people still People were literally saying this was happening to them. I'm telling you, I was on the internet literally tripping out at some of the stories and people were like, yeah, I was pregnant with twins and when I was seven months, I lost my baby and I'm just like, oh no, I'm going to be one of those people. And I was just like freaking out. So you couldn't enjoy the miracle because you were afraid it was going to be taken away from you at any point. Yeah, it was very, very hard for me to enjoy it. And um, then when I finally was like, okay, they might be here. And so I don't think I shopped for baby stuff like really until like I was eight months pregnant and barely yeah and so also like it was so much and I was just thinking of it like okay I'm preparing for another event but I honestly thought that they were going to come out looking alike that didn't happen at all um well they're fraternal they're fraternal they look from the pictures, they look a lot of like. <laughs> one is dark and one is light. Okay, yeah, I did notice that. Yeah, <laughs> and I thought they were going to come out looking alike. Um, I also thought that you don't think about the concerns like that they have, you know, when they're born. So you got to deal with like, even though they're telling you, oh, the babies are healthy weight. The weights that they give you at, like, sonograms are not accurate at all. They told me my baby was, like, six pounds. One was actually five pounds, almost preemie weight, and one was seven pounds. So you're dealing with a preemie and a regular person, like a regular kid. (laughs) And, you know, then you're concerned about one versus the other, and it's like so many other things that can freak you out as a parent in general is crazy but nothing like what I thought it it seems very full house when you're pregnant like oh this is going to be so cute and I'm going to put these them in these beautiful outfits and then they have the outfits and they throw up on them and you're like oh this just ruined my whole day (laughs) but another question what how was your husband's support during that during that entire period of your pregnancy and your concerns and worries um my husband is very opposite of me um he's very where i'm soft he's very hard and to the point um i can honestly say that he was a great partner i think what i hate with african american women is that when we go into the healthcare industry they suspect that we're not going to have male support um and those are one of the things that we face going to the doctor's appointments my husband was at every doctor's appointment and they 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 knew him just because they were so used to the lack of male support around the office. Really? Like, so he was like, every time we went in there, even if we go in there now, he's like one out of three dads 
that actually come with his child or with his children. And so that got that vision of not having male support fell onto us. Um, that like, if he misses a doctor's appointment now, they are like, where is he? Like, we're not used to him not being here. Um, but my husband was a researcher. So he would go into the doctor and ask the questions that he knew that I was, I wasn't brave enough to ask. Um, and he would say, Hey, you know, she's having pain in her back. And I'm the person that wouldn't mention that at all. Like, no, it's gone. Don't bother the doctor with that. And he's like, no, she's having pain in her back. Or why is her feet swollen? Or what's going on with this? Like, what do these test results mean? So he was very, very into it. But he was like, not worried at all. He was like, oh, yeah, we're going to make it through this. Where I was like, we're never going to make it. Like, <laughs> That's a good, that sounds like, sounds like a good balance to have. Sounds like a good, like, person to have, especially in, like, the heightened, stressful situation. Yeah, it's been anxiety field. <laughs> you had, did you have any other supporters or uh, anyone else in your support system besides him? I think my friends were very supportive. My friend, um, my friend, she was very, very into like checking in on me mentally, um, and I find it very, very great. You know, I'm grateful for that type of friendship because a lot of times when you have friends that are also on their own journey, right, with attempting to get pregnant and all of that jazz, it's very hard um, to support a friend that's where you want to be. Um, Because before, we were suffering together, we were going through fertility things and trying to find ways to get pregnant as a team. And now one of the team has gotten pregnant. And so she and was, any other person still can't. Yeah, and so it's more so like you're still on this journey. My guilt is I don't want you to be supportive because I don't want you to feel a certain type of way. But on her end of it, she was like, "No, I'm definitely gonna be supportive because you're my friend, and I'm gonna be excited for you because that means that it's one step closer to me." So. My friend was very supportive. She checked in after every doctor's appointment. She was like the first person up there after I had my kids. And she's actually my kid's godmother. So she plans my baby shower. She never asked for a dime from me for my baby shower. She just took reins and did it. So, and my sister-in-law is actually very supportive as well. So, um, those are my two supportive figures during my pregnancy. Absolutely. That's amazing. And I'm pretty sure that all comes in handy when you need a break from the twins. You, you can just, like, who wants to watch them? <laughs> <laughs> Never. Now, now, I remember when you, when you, when they were in their newborns, mm-hmm. it wasn't just the two of them you had. You yeah. were surrounded by me. You had your husband, you had the boys and you had snugs. Yeah, I no longer have snugs. Yeah, I know. Um, you were three, two babies plus a dog and your husband, the lone woman in the house. Yeah, I, I think when you look at those type of structures too, um, you literally, before you had the twins, you had all the time to devote to your pet. <laughs> like, um, Also, 
not just your pet, but you, if you're in a relationship, you have all the time to devote to your mate. And, um, then when you have kids, you barely have time to devote to yourself. So keeping those relationships, like your, your pet relationship, your regular relationships, your friendships, and all of that becomes a struggle too, when you bring kids into the mix. Like, you're barely, like, scheduling sleep, let alone, like, hey, let's go out for a drink or let's have a date night or something. So, a lot of restructure. Now, when we interviewed um, one of the fathers last year, we he talked about how he had a very traumatic and very, very drama-filled childhood, and he was afraid that he would transfer some of that trauma and transfer some of those um, toxic and unhealthy things he learned into his own parenting style. Do you have any fears like that? You're afraid that you, that some of those like bad influences or bad parent parental tools you were, you witnessed Mm -hmm. is going to, is going to like come through to your own parenting. I love this conversation um, because me and my friend literally just had a conversation about this. Um, I think traumatic parenting experiences can affect a person one of two ways. One is you adapt those traits and you do put them onto your offspring or just present them in your everyday relationships. Or the other thing is, like, you learn from them. So you take reversing those traits to the extreme. And I think that's where I fall into the box. Um, My parents were, uh, my dad was a pastor for 43 years. So the thing that I didn't like is that when it comes to a spiritual person, spiritual person, um, they think of it as, as, how can I say this? Like pastors think like your the church is first regardless. So it's the church and everything else falls behind. And so I think that I was the victim of that, of my dad and my mom devoting so much of their time to the church that we kind of were like, oh yeah, we can't forget to do this. So we did like a lot of restaurant things or one thing I do think that my parents tried their best um, because they did make it a priority to pick us up from school. They did make it a priority for us to have other things to do. How I translate that into my kids is that I overdo with them. So I also had older parents that didn't pretty much understand Chuck E. Cheese, what that meant or sleepovers and what that meant. That wasn't a part of their lives. For me, I overdo it with my kids. That's, that's how it's basically exposed into me. Like I make sure that I overdo it. Even if I'm tired, I'm one I'm going to make time for them. If I haven't been around them, I like, I'm going to plan like this extravagant event to spend time with them or do something with them. Um, our holidays, I'm going to make sure that 
it's home alone type three like we're doing gingerbread we're doing all of those things that I didn't get a chance to do with my parents but saw on movies and wanted to do with my parents so that's how it has affected me as a parent I definitely understand where he's coming from like some of those traits you can bring them into it and you try your best to avoid it but it's kind of like we are our parents kids so, so to some point we just have to be able to recognize those things and be able to turn them and I think yeah I definitely overdo it um and I I need to stop it but I I wanted those things from my parents spoiling them a little isn't isn't too bad (laughs) just don't let them get away with too much yeah it's a thing and I do see one of the negative things is my mom was a um she was a yeller like Mm. she was definitely a dominant woman my mom's a yeller too yeah and I do bring that into my household and I, I know I recognize it as a, this came from my mom type of thing, but it's so hard to reverse it once you some, get started. Some you can't, some things you can't shake off. Yeah, but my like, mom was definitely a yeller. And are, you an only, are you an only child? I am not. I'm not. I'm, I'm like, I have brothers and I have sisters. I have sisters that stay in California too. And I have an older brother. And so, um, I fall in the middle, but like in the younger, like the younger child traits definitely pull off to me. Um, especially since I had older parents, like when they got older, they depended on me a lot. So I was a caretaker from the time that I was 15 until now, like, I've always had to be an auntie, a caretaker, take care of my grandmother, take care of my grandfather, whatever type of thing. And I think that that has helped me adapt a lot, but it also causes a lot of um, distress. Like, what did I miss out on? You know, like that type of thing. Yeah, but then you also get, well, now you're, you're able to watch your kids have those those fun experiences. <laughs> Yeah, I'm living through them. <laughs> living through them. Oh my god! But huh? I had a question in my head that I was holding in there, and then I laughed, and it went away. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's, it's it's fine. It happens happens more than it should during these type of podcasts. Um, but oh crap. Oh, okay. I, I I have it back. Do you feel any pressure, given that you have that you're raising two young black men in this country that we love so much and that loves it's us? It's amazing. Amazing. Um, I watch a lot of videos about um how men explain certain situations to their black male kids, right? And I was like, they're four. And this shouldn't even be their pressure, you know? Um, And I don't want to be the mom to have to explain something negative to them. Like, 
I want them to see the world as perfect. I want them to be like your friends can be any shade or but um, their dad is also a black man. Right. And he's he has his own struggles with understanding policing and racial anxieties and stuff like that. And so he has his own point of view. So we have conversations like how can we approach our kids with this open conversation without putting our views onto them so that they can have their own views, but also give them cautionary advice. Like, yes, police are amazing. Police are there to make you safe. However, when you get older, there will come a point where we'll have to like we'll have to teach you how to deal with the police being who you are. That's a hard conversation to have. I I remember when I was when I when my dad and my when my parents had a conversation with me. I just it took me a while to to fully like understand what they meant, but also to see like my dad's face. I feel like how serious he was. Yeah. And like the fear and the sadness from my mom's face. It was like, oh, I need to, this is something that it's hard for them. Yeah. They need to have this conversation with me. And sometimes it's hard for like, it's hard. Hard conversation. It's hard. It's a hard conversation, especially since um, one is lighter. It can be seen as one race. And the other one is darker, who can be seen as exactly who he is. Um, and I don't want them to feel different. But sometimes we, we, most of the time we go to a playground that's multicultural, right? And I noticed that if, well, me, my husband and I noticed one time that there was an African-American family, a very urban African-American family. I'll say that. The best kind. Right. Came to the playground and all of a sudden the Caucasian families started acting real stiff. And all of a sudden my my son, again, he's very he's a very happy kid. He's a very accepting kid. He's a very emotional child. And he's like, Well, mom, why doesn't this girl want to play with me? And it wasn't that she didn't want to play with him, but it was more so like her dad was like, oh, there's another Caucasian kid over here. Why don't you play with her versus steady going back to this kid? And I was I left the park because I was just like, there's no way that I, I want to explain this to my son. Like, let's just leave the park and you'll know that you're not playing with her because we left. But I don't want to insinuate, even though it was very, I feel like it was very much that. I don't want to insinuate. Like You don't want to, like, uh, influence his view. Ministry Podcast is now our very own merch store. We have keys, hoodies, and cups, and so much more. Check out our merch store. Link will be in the description below. Thank you, guys. Yeah, I definitely don't want him. I don't want to influence his innocence. Like, I think um, at some point with us, with our generation, our innocence got ruined so early. Like, 
you know, we we knew way too much beforehand. Like, um, and I want to kind of save that for them. I don't want them to feel like, oh, I can only play with black kids or I can only play with minority children. I feel like you should, a child is a child. Like, you yeah, should be able to play with whomever. That's very important because I went to I went to a very mixed multicultural middle school, and I had all types of friends. And my dad, when he gave me the conversation, he was like, "You know, you can hang out with your white friends, you can hang out with your light friends, but when you get in trouble, they can act a fool, they can talk back, they can act crazy, but you always have to keep your composure and just do what you're told because mm. even though they're acting crazy, if you even grin the wrong way." you're the one they're going to get. And I was always like, okay, I understood. Yes, that's not fair, but this is the world we live in. Yeah. He was like, you shouldn't be jaded. You shouldn't be upset, but you should be prepared. So you can keep yourself safe. And it's one of those conversations that I asked all the parents, all the parents this who have, who have sons. And I've learned that the moms are the ones who, (laughs) We're the ones trying to save it. Like the dads are like, no, tell them, don't like the police, don't do this. And me, I'm like, well, we don't want them to be so jaded, so fast. right? We don't want them to be scared of the cops. <laughs> it's definitely that type of feeling right here. My husband's like, oh, I hate the police. That's this, this, and this, and I'm like. I want them to love the police. I want them to look for the police if they're in trouble. I don't want them to feel like they can't go to the cops. Yeah, it's it, it's the it's the balance of call the police when I need when I need when I'm in trouble, but also knowing that given the situation, now I could be the one who's in trouble with the police if the, yeah. depending on how the situation is being read in the narrative that they put in their head so that has yeah that's your husband's right the conversation needs to be had as as someone who had to have that conversation it was like it definitely as a kid it definitely kind of like shook my world view yeah but then then when you're like you get older into like the school ages and you have all become kind of friends and you just notice that your your lighter friends tend to just do stupid stuff and you're just like uh yeah no i can't i can't do that with you because it's gonna be different yeah and my parents were from the civil rights movement like so our home was full of martin luther king speeches civil rights movies slave movies like i've seen it all and i would watch it um, and my transition of it was never, oh, I hate white people. Like, that was never what I got from it because I feel like my dad and my uncle did a very good job of explaining this is what used to happen and it shouldn't affect your intelligence of what happens now. But we're showing you this to let you know this is what happened to the people that came before you and they went through this to make you who you are. So you know, and I've never seen my dad act a different type of way in front of different people. My dad was always my dad, um, whether he was in 
front of African Americans, Hispanics, didn't matter. He was just him. And so I feel like as long as the person that I am isn't that bad, it it crosses all lines. <laughs> that makes sense. And you're, you're hoping that your kids won't be. Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. It is 50-50 DNA, though. So (laughs) (laughs) You never know. You never know. The thing with with me and my my mom, I think the thing, well, I talk to different other parents, too. It's just like, it's hard for parents to realize at some point, like, yeah, this is my kid, but they're they're not me. They're not, like, my little, like, my next chance at life. They're not my something like... They're not my doll. I can dress up and make do what I want. Yeah, so, it gets to that sometimes. Like at, at some point, it's like, this is a whole person with like, their own personality. Yeah. And sometimes parents don't click that. Me and my mom still have this issue today. She still thinks I'm like Marcus from like 2005, who's like 10 years old. And it's like, no. Man, I'm, <laughs> I'm so sorry for your mom. The reason why is because when... As a mom of boys, I get it. You know, like, she has to really, really still... clingy to their moms. And you, to be honest, because I'm, I'm her oldest. And so for those first five years, it was just me and her. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Because um, now the boys are talking. Like, I'm so glad they're not here. Because they will be like... Hi, Mark. What's your name? Like they're talking full sentences and developing their own personalities. And now, my husband and I are at the stage of what you say. Like, <laughs> and you what, have to watch what, what you say around them because they. Pick it's it up. more so like it's a shock because it's cute when they're all blah blah giddy like oh they don't understand but when they start telling you full sentences it's now you're like oh my god did I say that like we're getting scrutinized for our language like mommy don't say that that's a bad word you were not supposed to say that and like they're (laughs) definitely We've had to explain don't like don't use the word fat. Don't don't have like it's insane. And I'm like, this is not me at all. If I put my parents through this, like, what was I thinking? They always say it comes back comes back to get you at some point. I'm convinced it's my husband's personality. It has nothing to do with me. I was a sweet kid, and these demons did not gain my personality because they are very outspoken. They hold nothing There's still back. time. There's still time. Just wait till the teenage years. Oh, yeah. my Liam is definitely his dad's son. He's like, Mommy, I don't want to go back to school. I don't like this lady. And I'm like, who is the lady? I, why don't you like her? He's no. like, just don't. She's ugly. No. Don't use ugly, Liam. Well, at least I didn't say she was fat. You t- 
So now you have to remember, like I did tell him fat was a wrong, but I totally left out the rest of this vocabulary. Maybe I should have said something. So, but you, you're balancing all of that while still being on this Instagram beauty guru path and talk about your love for the makeup. Do you like horror movies, like Halloween and the Blair Witch? Well, if you're like me and you do, you should join me and listen to the Haddonfield Horrors podcast, where they discuss and review horror movies and horror movie franchises. If you're not listening to the Haddonfield Horrors podcast, you're definitely missing out. And and getting the looks together. Because I, I, I follow you on Instagram, and I see when you post, you look, post the photos, Aww. and you got the look going. They look amazing. Um... So I um I'll say this just because I feel like bi- podcasters can't see me but I am not a size 2. <laughs> and um one of the challenges I ran into is um I remember breaking down crying one day like in the mall because you know, like when you go out of town and you forget that one thing and you're like, oh, I could just go to the mall and find it. Mm-hmm. And I needed like a shirt. And every store that I went in was like a large. And I'm like, well, damn, it's the only thing I could fit in this whole, whole mall makeup. Like, is that the only thing they're going to sell for me? Like fragrance and makeup. And so... I thought about it and I was like, this is the one thing that is one size fit all. Like I can go and find makeup and transform my face and feel great about myself. And I will say that after I post Instagram pictures, 90% of the time, 20 minutes after I post, it is off. But the feeling that I get from that creative outlet has literally saved my life to the point my husband's like you're overwhelmed go do your makeup (laughs) like that's the most beautiful way i've never heard it explained that way makeup is a one size fits all yeah um i think patrick star uses it a lot now but i literally felt this way way before then i was like you don't ever have to worry about your size and lipstick. You don't have to worry about your size and eyeshadow or anything. And you could just find makeup anywhere. The dollar store, wherever you go, you can find makeup. But there's a 90% chance that plus size women are not going to find their size everywhere. So I, it's an outlet for me. Um, I love transforming myself. Um, I have, I've worked my life out where I have titles, like in the daytime from 530 to 630, I'm a mom from 630 to three o'clock. I am a worker after three, I am a mom again, but I need to find an hour at least once or twice a week where I'm a sexy bitch. Like. I just I feel it. I love it. If if I don't have that time, I can be just a bitch, like possibly. But 
and I can sit in the mirror for hours and I I think I would lose weight if I would just sit around and do makeup because I forget to eat I forget to drink water and a lot of things while I'm in the makeup room and it's 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 definitely an outlet for me and I think it's positive. I think it's a good thing to, for kids to see that when their parent has like a positive hobby, something that makes them happy. Because then yeah. they start, then they know it's okay for them to go and find their their thing, their place to like go when they're feeling down. Yeah, and and I think that's a great balance. I think the perfect child for me would have been a girl. I wanted a girl so bad, so bad. But sometimes they say those mother-daughter relationships aren't aren't good. So you probably lucked out. I'm surrounded by boys. You are. (laughs) I'm the girliest girl. Like, I'm so girly. And I just couldn't get it. But I understand. Hopefully you can use that and raise two two men who respect women. They're high on the compliments, too. Like, they're like... Mommy, oh my God. Yesterday I went to a funeral. When I picked them up, um, I had like, you know, light makeup on. I had on a dress. And my son comes to the door and he's like, Mommy, you look beautiful. You got dressed? Like, it's something that I don't do on a regular basis. <laughs> it's like your hair, mommy. You're you look great. And I'm like, well, if there's one thing you can do is you can hype me up. So I'm okay with that. I'm so you, okay. you went and created yourself your own two little hype men is what you did. Yeah, I was very convinced that I wouldn't be good at this. Um, but if there was any advice that I could give, I would literally say, one, don't let society push you into anything that you're not ready for. Um The thing that I hated the most is like, you will never make society happy. Like, when you're single, they want to know, girl, what size you want? What you doing? Like, you dating, you find somebody, and you guys are having an amazing relationship. You're having an amazing time getting to know each other. When y'all getting married? When's the date? What's happening? Did you get her a ring yet? Like, and then you get married, and you think that's shutting them up. Where the babies like, at? Oh, where the babies at? Or like, when y'all having kids, y'all don't want kids, and they and that's so insulting. Like, you don't know the journeys that the people are going through. Like, you don't. What is the point? Like, don't do that. Like, people in in podcast land, don't do that. That's so stupid. Yes. Now we have twin boys and society is still not happy. They're like, hey, don't y'all want a girl? When y'all having a girl? Like, what's like you like you're parenting two at at one time already. That you it's not enough. It's not they, enough. They want you to have more. Yeah. So like that's one takeaway that I have like society will never be happy. The people around you will never be happy that you're just in a safe, mentally healthy space. Like we're good where we are. We don't 
this is our date night. This is me and my husband's date night. We are literally thinking we're so lame. We're just like, damn, babe, we're going to get some sleep. Like, that's what we're looking forward to. We're not, <laughs> that's not anything. I think, um, and the other thing I would say to moms, especially to my multiple moms, um, the funniest joke that I hear all the time is that um, when single 10 moms, which are like moms who have one kid, sees a twin mom, they're like, oh, they're so cute. Oh, my God, they're amazing. But when a teen, when a twin mom sees a twin mom, they're always like, it's going to get better. Like, it's never they're cute. Or anything, it's always, it's going to get better. And um, it's like, we have our own secret society. When we see twin moms in the store, it's just like, girl, you got this. Like, we help each other with stuff because it's just a thing. And so I would say, everyone always says, take it one day at a time. I will not say that 24 hours is way too long to me mentally healthy. I will say take it one hour at a time. Um, and if you survive the hour, congratulate yourself Definitely. for surviving the hour. Like you did this. You a bad bitch. <laughs> you survived the hour. So let's work on this next hour. And um, that's, that's totally helped me. Like I used to say to myself, I was so, so stressed at first. Like, no, we got to give the bottles at this time. We got to give the baths at this time. We got to do this. Otherwise it's not going to go right. I'm not going to get any sleep. And I'm slowly merging into like, you know what? They just going to be who they are. And I'm just going to find my space to you know do what I have to do they run me it's two of them against one of me they're always gonna win so I just have to just be like when y'all tire yourself out I'm gonna be here but it's very much like dinner at five schedules has really helped me like we're I'm on the schedule (laughs) like even working with you guys y'all know hey I got to go because I got to get dinner started. I got to get baths. And then I got to be back up at 3.30 in the morning and do all this again. And then be up in this office with y'all. Like, yeah. <laughs> so it's pretty much like that's how it is. It is. It's definitely a journey, though. Um, and I will say um, from Pache's interview, I got a lot of insight on what it's like and she will tell you I've reached out to her like girl this is going on what am I going to do <laughs> she's like you know the moms be here helping each other behind the scenes like that, that's good to hear That I'm, I'm glad that that's something and yeah. that's why that's why I do these kind of episodes I'm just like someone's out there is going to listen and hear something who's like oh I'm I'm not alone in this I'm not some crazy lone parent who's going through some type of struggle. You're not That's alone. What... It's it's some it's some mom out there drinking wine with you. 
don't <laughs> don't think that we have it all together. Sometimes my draws be on backwards. We don't <laughs> we don't know. Like we're just playing it along. I am a mom that did knew nothing and had to learn what to do times two. People laugh at me because I tell them I couldn't I didn't know that babies don't sleep. Like <laughs> So I saw somebody mentioned lavender in a post one day and I just went crazy. I got my credit card and I bought everything lavender. Oh I had lavender plugins, lavender soap, lavender everything because someone said that lavender will put them to sleep. Lavender tea, whatever. They're going to sleep, I'm buying it. <laughs> so it, it it's it's a thing because you kind of don't know where to go with it. And it's just like, it's a, it's going to work or it's not. It's been a lot of times where I feel like, damn, I just wish I had somebody here to watch them while I go to the bathroom or like, you know, everyday things you're thinking like, how can I do this? There's no way that I could have held two kids at one time while I'm trying to cook or do other stuff. And so I just had to figure it out. Like. Make a pallet on the floor. If you that sleeping. You feel like they going to fall. I've slept on the floor. Plenty of days. Because it's like. At least if they roll on the floor. They're not going to hurt themselves. So. But yeah. We're partners in crime. That's Us three. That's, that's great. I'm, I think we, we can. We can end it there because that was some great advice that doesn't need to be followed up because that was amazing. And I think what the thing that's going to be stuck with me is the makeup is a one size fits all because that was an, an amazing way to, to see that. But thank you so much for coming on and of course. talking about your journey of being a mom of, of, of twins and what that's like and talk about your makeup. I'm going to you can shout out your makeup Instagram. I'm also planning on putting a link to it in the description. Oh, cool. I am. Check your makeup out. Oh, I'm trying to think of my tag. Oh, I'm, um, I am at Big and Beautifully Bronzed on Instagram. Um, so, yeah, definitely check me out. DM me if you just need some twin mom or mom inspiration. I'll try my best. Um. But I'm all full of it. Um, definitely hit me up. Let me know. I operate out of Chicago land, so I travel. <laughs> so and I do take clients. So let me know. We sus- we hit support small businesses around here. So I love you- it. The link will be in the description. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed being part of it. Thank you so much, Nina, for hopping on. All right, I love you guys. Good night, everyone. Should we do an intro?